Good morning, Four Oaks Church. It's Thursday, November 30th, the last day of November, before we roll into one of my favorite months of the year, December. But today it's November, and we are in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is, in this chapter, giving us a series of parables to help explain to his disciples why people are responding in the way that they are to his teaching. And there's two parables, and we looked at um, one last week. Well, actually, we didn't. Pastor Scott preached on that, the parable of the sower. But, but this week, we're looking at the parable of the weeds or the parable of the tares or the parable of the darnels. Those are all three the same, the same word, underlying Greek word, which um, denotes a, a foreign plant, a weed, a poisonous plant or weed that would oftentimes be intermingled or interspersed with um, the good wheat, and but which had the uh, potential of ruining the whole crop. So Jesus here in this parable of the weeds wants to teach us about the reality that in this life, from now, from, from everywhere between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ, there's going to be an intermingling of the wheat and the tares, or the wheat and the weeds. In other words, the wheat represents the true disciples of Jesus, and the tares represent those who have not responded to the gospel message, okay, those, those who remain in the world. And we talked about this from a big picture standpoint. Why doesn't God just go ahead and destroy the tares? And we said the reason he doesn't is because of his mercy, that among those tares are, in fact, stalks of wheat. They're not stalks of wheat yet, but they will be. They're part of God's plan and people to regenerate and change their hearts. And so God says the ultimate judgment does not come until the second coming. Um, so that was what we talked about last time. Now, this morning, we want to talk about how this impacts life in the church, because whether we think about it or not, there are both wheat and tares in Christ's visible church. What do I mean? Well, let's read the parable again, and let's talk about that. Verse 24, chapter 13, he, meaning Jesus, put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then you do want then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. We'll hop down to verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. 
The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, the fact that there are those who reject Christ and those who receive him, and that these are symbolized by wheat and tares, of course, this is the situation of the world, right? And in that sense, the wheat and tares are mixed together, meaning we live our lives as Christians adjacent to those who don't know Christ. In fact, that's part of our mission. That's part of our, our calling. That's that, that, that we understand. But there's another part to this wheat and tares or wheat and weeds that hits a little closer to home. And, 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 and here is what we mean. Not only are wheat and tares a reality of the world, they are also a reality of the church. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, one of the, the central themes of Matthew, it's not a peripheral theme, but one of the central themes of Matthew is, and, and I'm quoting here the Sermon on the Mount, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, Jesus says there is a person or a type of person who might find themselves in the community of believers. Maybe they've adopted the language. Maybe they're like the seed and the sower parable that has sprung up and seemingly has demonstrated life for a time. But over the course of time, um, it's demonstrated that, in fact, this is not a genuine believer. Maybe they fall away. Maybe the, the, the seed or the word of God is choked out into their life. Um, maybe they're just playing a religious game. Maybe they've adopted the vocabulary and the nomenclature, and they even do some of the rituals and routines that Christians might do in church, like go to worship or go to community group or, or what have you. But Jesus says all of those things doesn't make them a stalk of wheat or a true believer. It's possible to do all those things but yet not know Jesus, to be far from him, to not have a personal relationship with him. But here is the challenge, okay? The challenge is we don't always know and often don't know entirely who those people are. Why? Well, let's look back at the parable a second. One of the things that happens here is that when the good seed is sowed initially and begins to grow, the weeds are sowed in private, okay? And as both stalks of the wheat and the weeds are coming up, it was impossible, very difficult, to tell the difference between the two. It was only after a season when the crop reached fruition, when it reached its point of being harvested or being fruitful, that they could tell that there were weeds or tares or darnel among the the wheat and this darnell these weeds were very poisonous okay and they couldn't just all be harvested together um, because there would um, be a great chance of it contaminating the crop so 
they had to be meticulously uh, separated, and it was a long, arduous sort of process. The, the point here is, as it relates, let's get back to the, the idea of, of tares or, we, or, or tares or weeds being a part of the church, is that for a time, the tares and the wheat look exactly the same. But it's only when there is a crisis or there's only when there is a crisis of faith or a deconstruction or what have you that a person's true heart is revealed. And we realize, as John would say, they went out from us, but they never were of us. In other words, they may have been a part of the visible kingdom or the visible church, but they weren't part of the true universal church. And, 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 those, and that raises... Um, two categories that we need to ha have in our mind, okay? The Bible talks, and Augustine used these distinctions, for what we would call the invisible church and the visible church, okay? And, and let me explain that. The invisible church is all of those believers, past, present, and future, who have been truly regenerated by the Spirit of Christ, that, they're, that the blood of Jesus covers over all of their sins. They are true believers, okay, followers of King Jesus. Um, and they are scattered all over the world, right? That's the invisible church. So when I leave here, for example, I'm at Four Oaks right now, and I'm in the world, I'm part of that invisible church. And I could go and meet a Christian from some other church or some other part of the globe, and we would have a commonality because we're both a part of that invisible church, okay, or that universal church. However, there is also this idea that there is the visible church, meaning everyone who is a part of the universal or invisible church is called, while they're alive here on planet Earth, to gather as a part of the visible church, a local expression of the church. And we have to be committed to that. So it would be, here would be a little syllogism if, if you want to put it this way. Every Christian, every person who is a part of the invisible church is a believer. But every person who is a part of the visible church is not necessarily a believer, okay? So, so the visible church um, is going to be comprised. Now, now, let me say this. We do make it our endeavor as much as we can to allow into membership, for example, only committed believers, right? Okay, that, that's what membership in the local church is for. But yet, we don't know human hearts. We, we, we don't know what's going on in the depth of any particular person's soul. There's this, this is why we, this idea of persevering and being faithful and um, working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Um, and sometimes we hear about people who are a part of the visible church but who've walked away, who've deconstructed, who've denied the faith, who are apostate, okay? And we have to ask, what is to be our posture about these things? Okay, let's go back to the parable for a second. Master, they said, um, do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds. Now, this doesn't mean that in the visible church, we should not be disciplining one another, that we 
should be harboring sin or that sort of thing. What it does mean, though, is because we, we, we do want to do everything we can in our power from what we know to only baptize and welcome into membership believers with credible professions. But again, we don't know the heart. And it's not our job, ultimately, that's God's job, to discern the heart. And so what Jesus is preparing for us here is we have to be very careful in these things, okay? We don't need to be like money changers charging through the temple, um, accusing the people of God of not knowing Jesus Christ, uh, of being unregenerate, of being hard-hearted and casting them out. That's, that's, that's not to be our posture, okay? As, as sin reveals itself, we are to deal with it. What it does mean is that God calls us towards a, a posture of patient endurance, of, of trust in him, of, of even when someone who is a part of the visible church and we wonder what's going on in that person's heart, right? And we pray for them and we encourage them and we share God's word with them. Unless there's um, a, a, an obvious reason that that person gives us to show us that they are walking away from the faith, right? They are committing adultery and are unrepentant, or they are um, uh, committing doctrinal heresy and aren't repentant. Um, in those situations, yes, we are to judge the people of God, okay, in that sense. But what Jesus is really getting at here is, is helping us to align our expectations with the fact that in this life, sometimes we just don't know. And what our posture is to be in those times, again, is patient endurance, prayerfulness, faithfulness, trusting that as people are a part of the visible church, that God would continue to work in their hearts and woo them. But this is a complex thing, right? Because all of us may know with, with kids or parents or spouses or family members, those who have been a part of the visible church who might have a profession of faith, okay? Um, but yet we, we wonder what's happening in their heart. Do they, they say the right things, but do they really know the Lord? And Jesus says, but I know. Don't take matters into your own hands. Don't try to be God. Don't try to be judge. Leave that to me. On the last day, I will sort them out. Your job is to be faithful. All right. We will wrap up this passage um, tomorrow on Friday and uh, look forward to seeing you all then. Let's pray. Lord, we all can think of people that... They're, they're a part of the visible church, or they were, or, 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 or even they are now, but yet we wonder what's happening in their hearts. Lord, would you have your way there? Would you penetrate their hearts? Would you draw them to yourself? But Lord, let this be primarily an opportunity for us to examine our own hearts, to realign ourselves with your gospel and with your kingdom through the power of your grace. Lord, we ask these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, everybody. See you tomorrow.